Welcome to Manager Tools. What to do when your direct complains about the company. Part one, here we go. Lots of folks complain about things in the workplace, not at Manager Tools, but no, at, at, other at other organizations, <laughs> right? And they complain about the workplace and they'll complain about things at your organization occasionally, right? It doesn't happen all the time, but it, but it happens. Sometimes we as managers, we complain too, because we're only human, right? And we make mistakes too. Just because everybody does it doesn't mean it's okay though, but let's admit folks that we all do it from time to time, but it's not okay, no. We shouldn't do it, but we do it. Um, and even I, I mean, I, even I complain about my own company every once in a while, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like okay, Mike. <laughs> um, so what we're gonna talk about today is how to decide whether it's significant or not, and then what to do about it. Good, so we have five points we're gonna talk about. The first is we're going to talk about the principal agent theory conflict in action. We're going to explain to you what's going on when your directs complain about the company. Number two, we're going to talk about that some complaints, if they're rare, probably benign, right? Our recommendation is if you have a direct who's not complaining often, if it's fairly rare, ignore them. Monthly or public complaining, though, that's malignant, and we're going to recommend that you give feedback. Number four, Admit your mistake if you have allowed it. And that's probably goes for all of us. I mean, if you've allowed it to happen in the in the past without giving feedback, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then last, we're gonna wrap up talking about when you have top performers, we recommend you give them the precautions around welcome to they. We're gonna talk about what that means. All right. So let's talk about the principal agent theory, conflict in action. That now sounds that sounds really complicated. It does. <laughs> and the word theory is in there, which means it's actually theoretical, which we don't usually do much about here at Manager Schools, right. right? We don't it talk. It gets me excited though. So, <laughs> so tell me about the principal agent theory. All right. So one of the reasons that directs complain to their boss about the company is because they're they misunderstand the nature of the principal agent theory so the agent the principal agent theory comes from economics it addresses the inherent conflicting interest between the principal here that means the company and the agent and that's someone hired by the company or the principal to act on its behalf as individuals we are wired to maximize our own self-interest human beings we are we are self focus we are we are self uh promoting we are you know everybody's favorite subject is themselves we often say at conferences and we're just designed that way we, we are designed to get the most out of any situation that we can that's right it's called it's called survival right it's that's called survival of, you know, biologically we're yeah wired it's human way. nature guys we're we're that's just the way that we're wired it's not evil it's not evil it's just no. human nature right here's the thing though as employees we are paid to maximize the interest of the company. And there's conflict between these two competing interests, the principal, the company, and the agent, us. And this conflict makes up the core of, of many political internal issues and battles. It also probably describes some of the internal motivation dilemmas, dilemmas we've all faced. Right? Do I do what I want to do or do I do what the company needs me to do? That is a, a real core question, I think, that is at the base of um, so many questions that I get, Mike, every week at conferences. Right. Uh, in fact, I was, I was with a, one of our great clients yesterday and, and had somebody say, what do I do if my direct doesn't really want to do weekly one-on-ones? 
And, and my answer was, we don't get paid to do what we want to do. We get paid to do what the company needs us to do, right? What the organization needs us to do. That's right. And, and a lot of organizations put in place variable and incentive pay systems to try to do that, right? They design them to align the interest, interest of the agents, you, the salesperson, for example, um, with that of the principal or the company. Now, and unfortunately, sometimes they're built in these pay systems, conflicts where suboptimization occurs, right? Where I'm incented to do one thing to increase my salary, I have a bonus, but under certain circumstances, me doing what I am incented to do causes problems, you know, with other parts of the organization. In fact, I could meet my sales quota, yet cause a larger problem for the company, say with manufacturing or something like that, right? So um, I'm incented to make sales, so I make promises around delivery that I that can't be met. I made my sales bonus, but was it the right thing for the company? So it's difficult. I mean, if you have a large organization, you can imagine the inherent conflicts there are around incentives across the organization. Absolutely. So when directs complain to you, their boss, their manager, Essentially, they're making an error regarding where the principal agent bifurcation exists. I don't know if I said that word correctly, bifurcation. <laughs> I think I <laughs> pronounced that correctly. Yeah. I feel a, little, feel a little bit like Wendy sometimes when she's like, I, I'm not sure I said that word correctly. What I mean is they're behaving as if you and they are both on the same side of the line, the non-company side of the line, the individual actor side of the line, the agent side in the principal agent theory, the agent side of that line. Because to most of us, we mistakenly think of our organization as a formless sort of other that exists outside the people and the role. And you hear a lot about this, particularly in popular media today, where companies are, are discussed and talked about as though they exist outside of the people who form the companies, who work inside those companies. All right, we see the company or the organization uh, as as separate. Or if we see if we see the company or the organization as people, it's quote unquote other people. It's not us. It's them. Yeah, um, and and those other people are are quite unlike us because, of course, we're we're smarter and and uh, more ethical and we're concerned about the broader picture. And of course, those other people are not. They're all self interested. <laughs> right. But we're right. not. Right. Of course. You know, as an aside, this this isn't in the show notes, Mike, but when people talk about companies as being evil, you know, it just makes me shake my head because I want to say you're basically what you're saying is you're saying every person in that organization in that company is evil because the people are the company. Yeah, it's an evil company. It's an evil company. Everybody in the company is. Of course, if you ran to somebody at a at a cocktail party who happened to work for that company, they and, and they seem like they were nice. They'd be the one exception. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. How can you work with all those evil people? You seem so nice. Right. Absolutely. Of course, we know that th th this isn't true, right? Companies don't exist outside of the people within them. And as a manager, we are part of the principal. Managers to their directs represent the company. We've said this before in other casts. We say this at conferences all the time to managers. You are the company. You are the organization to your directs. Between a manager and her direct, the theory tells us that the manager is the principal and the employee is the agent. That's right. And, and that's key, folks. When, you're, when your directs are, are talking to you about the company being messed up, they're talking about you, right? You represent 
the company, regardless of whether you have control or not, or even influence, you are the company. Absolutely. To me, this is such a fundamental understanding that I wish more, more managers really understood. Because I, I think once you really get this, it really changes your perspective on so much of, the, of what goes on between you as a manager and, and your directs, right? So we've made this point before. We've talked about this before in other casts. But for those of you who might be new, role power is the ability to speak for the company. When you have role power, you're a manager. The organization has given you role power by virtue of your, of your role, uh, that you're a manager. What the company is saying is you now speak for the company. Right? That means to your directs, you are the company. You know, think about a CEO rolling out a new strategy. The CEO can't go communicate that to everybody. He can communicate the broad outlines of it, right? But the manager has to carry the water for the CEO. And in that case, the manager is speaking for the CEO. And as far as the direct's concerned, the manager might as well be the CEO. Right, exactly. Yeah, particularly in, in larger organizations, right, where you may you may go months and months or even years without ever seeing your CEO or interacting at a personal level with your CEO, they might as well be on Mars for all of the impact they have on you. But the person who has the impact on you day to day, that's, that's your manager, that's your boss. That's right. Right? So what this means for us as managers is that when our directs speak to us, they are speaking to us, the person, and they're speaking to the company. When our directs complain to us about the company, they probably think that they're commiserating with us, right? Yeah, it's you and her against the world, right? Yes. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, we're in this together. We got to fight the man, right? The man being the company. You know, that's you know, that's that's a little sexist because oh, um, <laughs> fighting the woman too. Just you know, not all women <laughs> CEOs are great. Okay, just saying, just saying, it's not all men who are bad. Just I know, just a thought. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to. I have to be careful of my gender pronouns. Huh? <laughs> but here's the thing, guys: we're not in this together, right? Because really, when they're complaining about the company, they're complaining about us. Uh, you you probably have figured out that's where we were going with this. When we're when we talk about you as the manager are the company. Therefore, when the directs complain about the company, they're complaining about you. Now, to your directs minds, they are drawing a line between us and them, between the agent and the principal, with both you and they on the agent side of the line and the formless company, the other, them on the other side of the line, right? And their minds, yeah, it's us against them. But now you understand that actually that's an error. It's not us against them. You are the company. Right, so I think the, the implication of this is that when directs complain about the company, there's a potential small rift introduced there. Absolutely. Yeah, they want us on their side. They want us to, to join them in this, uh, in this complaining. They want us to, there's misery in company. Or, or there, yeah, no, what is it? There's a misery loves company. That's the saying. They want us to join their company. But there are times when we have to be on the other side. And as managers, we have to pay attention. We may choose to be friendly as a way of creating the relationship. We, we may think, hey, uh, yeah, I'm going to go along with this because I don't want my directs to see me as 
as the other. I don't want them. I don't. I don't want them to just see that I have the big boss sign. I want them to feel like I really am one of them. Like I really am on the team. Yeah, yeah. So you put aside your responsibilities to the company, your employer, to improve the relationship between you and your directs. Right. Of course, that works in a very short-term kind of way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to come to regret it later, right? Because it erodes the separation that we need when we need to speak for the firm, right? We've, we've eroded that. Yeah, right. A lot of folks really don't think of it that way, right? They just, it's just a harmless little comment. I mean, how, you know, how big a deal is it? And unfortunately, that may be true until, until you create a pattern and that pattern is unaddressed. And then you have a larger issue. Absolutely. I would even take it one step further for me when my directs complain about the company or when there have been times when I have complained about the company because I'm human too and I have done this too. This might surprise some folks a little bit. I view it almost as stealing because you're accepting money from somebody and now you're talking badly about them. And to me, that's the big bad, like with the capital B. If you're going to take money from your employer, then you ought not say bad things about them. Um, and again, I, I have been guilty of this as well. So I, I have to remind myself of that of that too. And that's a pretty strong statement. I know not everybody may agree with me on that. But when, when I get that paycheck, I'm like, if I'm taking this paycheck, I can't be saying bad things about the company. <laughs> right, right. Can't, can't do both. Now, our guidance around this does not cover the situation where your direct is complaining about you in your role as the principal or the company, as the boss. Since you are the company to your directs, right? That's what role power is. We just talked about that. If they're complaining about you, they are also complaining about they and the company. And those situations require a different response. We're not going to talk about that in this cast. Cool. Okay. So let's talk about situations where you may or may not need to do something about it. So let's talk about the individual who, you know, doesn't complain very often, happens once in a great while. Is that something we need to address? Is it, if that's true, I mean, we all do engage in this behavior at some point. I don't know anybody who's never engaged in it, right? And if, and if that's true, then we're gonna be given feedback all the time, which is not, oh. not necessarily a bad thing. But right. um, I don't think we have to go to extremes here, right? If somebody makes, you know, rarely makes comments, those are pretty benign. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you have to do something every time. It's not required every time somebody complains to you. Absolutely, if it's once in a while, uh, if it's occasional, no, you, you you can ignore it. In fact, our guidance is rare complaints by virtue of the fact that they're rare are benign. It's it's again, it's just that that normal thing that we all engage in every once in a while, maybe we're a little frustrated that day or blowing off a little steam and we recommend that you ignore them. But here's the thing, you can't know when watchfulness or words are appropriate without understanding the underlying tensions and theories. Right, and that's what we talked about, all these economic theories and politics, right? right? It's just background for our justification to do something when it's needed. Right. We want you to be able to understand. We want listeners to be able to understand when it goes from being benign, maybe I had a bad day, to something more serious that you need to address. Right. And, you know, for most complaining, we don't, you know, I'd say probably most, right? We don't really need to do anything, you know, because every once in a while, everyone complains. I talked about that earlier. Unfortunately, even good bosses do, which is great because then I can 
at least have a shot of being a good boss because <laughs> I have, right? So good bosses even, you know, sometimes complain in front of their directs, which isn't terribly professional, but it it happens. And if you sure. if you want a good example of of that, listen to Tom Hanks' character, John Miller in Saving Private Ryan. Um, I won't go into details, but if you want an example, go watch uh, Saving Private Ryan again. Mike just made a pop culture movie reference. It's not often I do that. Doesn't so happen, It's notable. It's notable. <laughs> we should write this down on the calendar. <laughs> now, some people may be wondering, Mike, why are we sharing this guidance with them when our first recommendation is to do nothing? When our first recommendation is, hey, if it's pretty rare, ignore it, let it go. The reason is, and I've alluded to this, guys, because we get tons of questions about, quote, unquote, whining from directs. Right. We get managers ask us all the time, what do I do? And they just, gosh, they just bitch and moan all the time. All they do is complain. One of my guys is constantly telling me stories about how terrible things are, how no one likes him, how no one does what he wants, how, you know, if only things were done this way, the company would be so much better. We get these types of questions all the time, every week at conferences and when folks email us in questions. And if you go to our forums, you'll see lots of questions in this similar vein, right? How do I handle the direct that just is always complaining about how things are around here? Um, so that's why we're, we're recording this podcast so that we can help you understand the differences of when it's rare and when it's some, something that you need to address. That's right. There's a whole range of behaviors there. So let's don't, you know, every complaint about the company is not and it's not the same. Good. Cool. So what our specific recommendation is, is when one of your directs complains about something, every once in a while, we recommend you just smile and let it go. Yeah, you can smile a little bit. You, you could even let a little bit of a smirk across your face, maybe even chuckle a little bit. But what we recommend is you, you do not pile on. You don't verbally agree. You forgive them their, their small indiscretion and you move on to another topic. You change the subject. Right. So you don't have to, you don't have to chew their butt right then. You don't even necessarily have to give them feedback later. Um, but again, don't pile on. Don't confirm it. You can just, just let it go with this little chuckle or something. But again, don't, don't confirm it verbally. Yeah. And you can just say like, just do a typical thing you do in a conversation. You know, so how, how are the Yankees doing this year? How about them Yankees? <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, how is Project X going? Or, Let's not worry about that. What else do we need to discuss? You know, just something to just move on. Enough. We got tons of things to do. Let's get, let's get going. Yeah, one of one of the things that I've I've said often to my directs is, you know, that's probably beyond the scope of this conversation. Why don't we talk about stuff we can figure out today? That's right. And and, and sometimes, you know, everyone's, you know, most directs, they pick up on the hint and they move on. But if one of your directs doesn't get the hint and continues to, to whine on about it. You just simply say, hey, okay, doesn't make much sense to complain about that. Let's move on. One way or the other, you put it into it. Start subtly and at some point you might just say, okay, enough, let's go. Yeah, and because in these situations, because so many of, of our directs don't understand the nature of, of our role, it's best to just note that your direct did, did this, right? Did the complaining, but not to worry a lot about it. If it starts to become a pattern or if it starts to become something that they're doing in public, which we're going to talk about next, then it's time to say something more directly. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.